Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Well, let's pray together as we jump into this passage. Lord Jesus, thank you for these words, such beautiful words that you have spoken, not only to this original audience, but that you speak to us today. Jesus, your words have so much depth and so much power that they can simply stand alone. Um, but Lord, as we talk about this, as we study this passage today, as we think about how this speaks to us where we sit today, Lord, would you be our teacher? You are the one that knows each and every one of us intimately. And so Lord, we just invite you to open our eyes that we might see just how much you love us as your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, I'm sure you've had the experience where somebody walks up to you and they say something along the lines of like, oh my gosh, you know what? You remind me so much of so-and-so, right? Sometimes it's kind of like an awkward experience because you don't know who they're talking about. Sometimes it's great because you're like, oh, you know, you look so much like, I don't know, what you get. Tom Cruise. Somebody told me that before. I was like, I don't see that at all, but okay, sure. I feel like people think he's handsome. Great. He's kind of well, we don't need to talk about Tom Cruise. Uh, but like sometimes it's, it's flattering. And you're like, oh, great. You think I look like so-and-so. But sometimes people are like, oh, you, know, you remind me so much of like my sister. And you're like, is that, is that good? Is that like, do you have a good relationship with your sister? Is your sister crazy? Is she cool? Like what, I don't know what that means because I don't know who you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? You had this experience before? Sometimes getting compared to somebody can go like really well. And sometimes it can go like really poorly, just all depending on what you're compared to. And there's a lot of things that the Bible says that we, as God's people, are compared to. It compares us to a lot of things. It says that we're a family. It says that we're a body. Sometimes he even uses things like, he calls us light of the world. He calls us um, the salt of the earth, all these sort of things. But one of the most predominant comparisons that we see in the Old and New Testament for the people of God is sheep. It's sheep. Now, um, have you ever watched sheep for like five minutes? Wow. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you have. But if you have ever watched sheep for a, like just a couple seconds, you walk away thinking, wow. Not the, not the best comparison. I was at the pumpkin patch a few months ago. And they had sheep at this little petting zoo. I was shocked by this. We're over at PCH in second, and uh, this big pumpkin patch, and they had this petting zoo available. And there was a group of about eight sheep inside this petting petting area. Okay, and like I just got to sit, sit there and watch these sheep for five minutes, and I was offended. <laughs> so I was like, "This, this, like this is who God chooses to say is me and you." Like, okay. And I, as I watched these eight sheep with no one leading, I mean, there's, you know, some college student standing there, like, checking tickets to let the kids go inside and be trampled by eight sheep. Like, no one's in charge of the sheep. They're just doing whatever they want. But it was a sight to behold. Like, these sheep would just move from, like, one area of the petting zoo to the other, all just following the sheep in front of them. At, at one point, they would just, like, one of them would start yelling, and so then all of them would start yelling, and one of them would bump into another one and think that it was, like, something scary and so then that one would run and then when the sheep saw one sheep running they would all start running and then they were like running into walls and running into each other and they looked terrified and they were jumping and fall like it was it was absolute chaos and it was offensive like of all the, the animals that the lord could choose for us he chooses sheep. And we're like, wait, can we get like a dog? You know, like the loyal best friend, like or like a dolphin, something smart. I don't know. But God chooses this analogy of sheep. And as I watched these sheep, it became really clear to me that they needed some kind of leader. They needed, and it, and it couldn't have just been another sheep because there was already plenty of them. They they needed a shepherd. That's what sheep need. And there's nothing more lost than a sheep with no shepherd. And God knows this. And he knows that there's nothing more lost than a human being without Jesus, without a true shepherd. 
And as we come to John chapter 10 today, Jesus grabs a title for himself that is so rich and multifaceted and glorious. He says, I am the good shepherd. That's really good news for us because we need one. Last week, if you're with us, um, we had a guest preacher with us, Pastor Daniel Jansen from Mago Day Church in Downey. He preached for us John chapter 9, which is a story of Jesus healing a man that was born blind. And if you remember, after this man is healed by Jesus, the religious leaders of the day scolded the blind man for saying that Jesus healed him. They, the, the religious leaders have had a lot of conflict with Jesus. They don't like the claims that he's making, the teachings that he's doing, the fact that he's healing people on the Sabbath. They feel like they're, he's just going against their whole system, and they feel like that they are worshiping God by rejecting Jesus. And so when they hear this man saying that he was healed by Jesus, they get very angry. And they scold him for, for claiming that. And they try to get him to, to say that it wasn't Jesus that healed him. And in the midst of this story, these religious leaders use their religious power not to bless those under their care, but to abuse them and to serve their own agendas and their own interests and their own appetites, all in the name of obeying God. And so what they do is they embarrass this man, they shame him, and they kick him out of the synagogue, and they claim that all of it is out of obedience to God. And so they use their power to abuse the ones that they're supposed to be caring for. And as Jesus sees this happening, he launches into what he says in John chapter 10. He talks about shepherds and sheep. Look at what he says in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Jesus is saying that there's two people that tend to be interested in sheep. And he uses this understanding of, of a common like courtyard of sheep that would be uh, in, in a group of homes. It would be this, this, just this courtyard area that was connected to a home. Maybe it would share a wall with the home. And it was kind of a place for the neighboring homes to put their sheep inside this courtyard. And, and the idea is that it is private, it's familial, and only one person has access. It's the one that's in charge of the sheep. It's the shepherd. And he comes through the gate and he decides who comes through the gate. It's all up to the shepherd. So if that's the only way in, anyone else that tries to come in to be among the sheep that doesn't have the authority to do it through the gate comes in through another way. And Jesus says, there's going to be two people that are interested in sheep. One is going to be me, the shepherd, or I guess originally he's just using the analogy, is just the shepherd or a thief and a robber. Those that are interested in hurting or stealing the sheep, they avoid the door because they know they don't have access to come in, and so they come in another way. And I think Jesus is saying here, as he looks at what happened in John chapter 9, he's saying that there are some who come among the sheep with the intention of wounding them, and he's talking about the religious leaders of the day. He says there are some that are coming in among God's people not with the intention to care and to bless and to serve, but actually with the intention of wounding for their own gain. Jesus sees this is exactly what's happening with the religious leaders in John chapter 9. And it's actually something that God has had a particular heart for for a long, long time. In fact, we're going to look back in, a, in the book of Ezekiel together for a few minutes this morning. Ezekiel chapter 34 
This is where the Lord expresses his care for his people and his rejection and his anger towards those that come among the sheep simply to wound them. Here's what he says in Ezekiel chapter 34. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. This is the prophet Ezekiel writing. So this is God speaking through a prophet. He says this, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So the religious leaders, those that are supposed to be caring for the people of God. And say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Then he says in verse 10, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. This is God's heart towards those that abuse his people. Those that should be caring for them, but instead are devouring them. God says, I, I am against those shepherds because they feed themselves. And this is something that wasn't just a reality in the book of Ezekiel or in the first century. It's, it's a reality today. It's a reality among God's people, among the church today. Just because someone holds a position of spiritual authority doesn't mean that they have the character that qualifies them to have that authority. We can hand out a lot of titles in religious settings, in church settings, but just because someone holds the title doesn't mean they're qualified to hold it or keep it. That there are those today, maybe you yourself have, have experienced this. But there is this stuff happening today in churches of shepherds that are supposed to be caring for God's people, but instead are feeding themselves, are satisfying their own appetites, are slaughtering the fat ones and filling their own bellies and not caring for the people of God. All under the guise of following the Lord. Shepherds that are to be caring for God's people but are instead using them to build their own platform all under the guise of it's glorifying God. Jesus says, I am against those shepherds. In fact, this is what he would say very clearly to these kinds of leaders, the, the Pharisees in his day. He would say this, they preach but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. 
And then he addresses these Pharisees, these leaders specifically. He says, you travel all over land and sea to make one convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you are. You tithe, you pay a tenth on, on all of your mint and all of your dill and all of your cumin. You, you, you tithe on that to the Lord and yet you neglect the more important matters of the law. Things like justice and mercy and faithfulness. He says, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. He's saying that there are some who come among the sheep with the intention of wounding them. And they're thieves and they're robbers. In fact, the New Testament will pick up on this and call them wolves. We see this in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 says this. This is Paul's instruction to the church in Ephesus. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, the sheep, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So he's talking to the, the elders of the church of Ephesus, which are shepherds. They're given the role of shepherding the sheep. He says, take care of them, those that the Holy Spirit has made you overseers of, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. It's pr- the people of God are precious to God. And here's what Paul says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. seems to be this reality when the Bible talks about the people of God and the church of God, that there will be wolves and the wolves don't just stay out. They actually come in among the sheep. And it's part of why God has given churches the gift of having elders and having specific qualifications for who an elder is supposed to be. Because God cares for his people and knows that they need shepherding and caring. It's not that elders don't need shepherding and caring. They still absolutely do. An elder is still always also a sheep, a lamb. But God God has put people in place to care, to watch out for the wolves that will come in to try to devour the sheep. And yet the Lord Jesus also knows that no matter how qualified any shepherd is, no one can shepherd God's people like Jesus can. No one is as qualified as Jesus. No one is as good or as righteous or as holy as Jesus. No one knows where the wolves are like Jesus does. Which is why he is the only one that takes the position of the good shepherd. And every other shepherd serves under his authority and must submit to him. And so when Jesus looks at the people of God in his day, he sees a bunch of sheep, but he sees no true shepherd. Instead, he sees robbers and wolves. And so he says, I will be the shepherd of my sheep which is what he promised in the book of Ezekiel. If you look a little bit further, in verse 11, it says this, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them from all the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them 
on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And he finishes out the chapter. It says, I will also make a covenant of peace with them and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and all the places around my hill a blessing. I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield its increase and they shall be secure in their land and they shall know that I am the Lord. When I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslaved them, they shall no more be a prey to the nations. Nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely and none shall make them afraid. I will provide for them renowned plantations. He continues on and on. God is saying, I will be the shepherd for my sheep because no one else can do the job like me. And so he promises that I will be the shepherd of my people. And here we have Jesus in John chapter 10 standing up and saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the one who has promised from long ago that I will be the one to seek and save my lost sheep, gather them, bind up their wounds, care for them, heal them, bring them into good pasture, feed them, make a covenant with them, dwell securely with them. It will be me. He's saying, I'm, I'm the one that's truly needed. And Jesus says some beautiful things here in John chapter 10. He comes in and he says that he's the door of the sheep, meaning he's the only way in to the, to the people of God. It means that no one comes to be a child of God or be part of the family of God unless they enter in through the door of Jesus. This is the witness of the New Testament. It's the witness of the book of John. It's written so that we might see that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that we might believe in him. And by believing in him, we may have eternal life. He's the door. Jesus will say this later, John chapter 14. He'll say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We don't, be, we, we don't become a child of God or get saved vaguely just through the name God. There's a very specific name. It's the name of Jesus. It's the person and work of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people, if we just talked about God, vaguely the name God, that would be like, yeah, amen. A bunch of different religions Cults even. They'd be like, yeah, God exists and he's good. But the name of Jesus is the name under which men and women will be saved. In our culture, the word God is just fairly, it's fairly basic. It doesn't have a, a lot of meaning for a lot of people. You say the name of Jesus, people get offended. It's not that we're against the, the word God or the name God. We love, we love that. 
But Jesus is the God that we worship and that we follow. And it's through him and his work that the sheep come in. He's the door. That's what he says. He also says this in verse 3. He says, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And if Jesus is the good shepherd, it means he calls his sheep by name and they follow him. Which means Jesus doesn't just broadly call his sheep as a group. He calls them individually by name. Which means he intimately knows his sheep, his people. And when he calls them, it says, they come. They hear his voice and they listen and they come. Which If anyone in this room is a follower of Jesus and has turned from their sins and you follow Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, you have experienced this exact reality that Jesus called your name as your shepherd and you heard his voice and you followed. Jesus is the good shepherd, which also means that His sheep belong to him even before he calls them. In some way, his sheep already belong to him even before he calls them. Look at what it says in verse 16. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So Jesus is using this metaphor to say, I I have sheep under my care. I am the good shepherd. The people of God belong to me. I am to care for them. And I have more that belong to me. They are my sheep, but they're not here. They're not of this fold yet. I have to go get them. And he says, I must bring them and they will listen to my voice. Which means, it seems to be communicating that in some way, The people of God belong to God even before he calls them. I think what Jesus is talking about in context here is he's he's talking to the Jews about Gentiles, about non-Jews. He's saying, I have others that I've not yet brought in that I need to go get. And the moment I call them, they'll listen to me because they're already mine. We talked about this a good amount at Gospel City, but one of the places where our name comes from has, has been from the book of Acts in Acts chapter 18, where the Apostle Paul is in the city of Corinth and he's ready to leave. It's not really going well, but the Lord appears to him and tells him, you need to stay here and tell people the good news of Jesus. You need to preach the gospel and stay here. And the reason why he tells him to stay is Acts chapter 18, verse 10. He says, for I have many people in this city who are my people. And that didn't mean, hey, Paul, I have a bunch of Christians. You need to go on a hunt and find where they're hiding. No, it was, hey, Paul, I have people living in this city of Corinth that I have predestined before the foundations of the world to be my people. But you need to stay to share the gospel with them because when they hear the gospel call, they'll hear their shepherd calling them and they'll respond and follow. You need to stay and preach it. Because my people are here. We've come to believe that very same truth about our own city where we live today, in the city of Long Beach, that God has people here that are his people that have not heard the call of their shepherd yet, and we need to bring it to them.
His sheep belong to him even before he calls them, and he's the one that searches them out to bring them home. He's the one that does that. In fact, he says this in Matthew chapter 9. It says this, Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is so important what Jesus just says. Jesus looks at the people of his day and he sees a bunch of lost people that aren't following him, that need salvation. And what, he's, what he says, he says, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he turns to his disciples who are already following him. And as he looks out on these sheep without a shepherd, he says, the harvest is plentiful. You know what that means? The harvest is ready to come in. It's ready to be gathered in. You need to pray, as my disciples, that God would send the workers in to go collect the harvest. What is he saying? He's saying, I have my sheep out there. that They belong to me. They just need to be called in. We tend to get this backwards. We tend to think, okay, God, we got, the, we got the laborers, we got the workers to send out. We need you to bring the harvest. But Jesus looks at the crowds and he says, the harvest is ready. It's plentiful out there. You need to pray that the Lord would send the workers to go get the harvest. There's a difference. Because Jesus looks out on the world and he sees his sheep. And the success of the mission is guaranteed. Those that are his will be brought home. And so he says, pray that the Lord would bring the workers to go out and collect the harvest and bring it in because my sheep, when they hear my voice, they'll come. And when they come, he says in verse 10, they'll have life and they'll have it abundantly. He says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but me as the shepherd, I bring abundant life. Which means those that will come to me, they'll go in and out and they'll find pasture. Man, if you could just imagine like being a sheep for a second and like going from desert wilderness into like the most lush green meadow you've ever seen, that would be like straight up heaven to a sheep. Am I right? That, that's the idea. That without the good shepherd, there's nothing but death and destruction and it's just, it's terrible. And yet Jesus says, as the good shepherd, you come in, you have pasture. I give you life and I, I give it to you abundantly. And as the good shepherd, he also says this. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And this this is what truly separates Jesus from every other shepherd. He says a hired hand runs when he sees the wolf coming. If I hired someone to take care of my sheep, why is he doing the job? Because he wants to get paid. He's not doing the job because he loves the sheep. 
So when he sees the wolf coming and he becomes in danger, he runs because he doesn't care for the sheep. He's saying, I'm the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. You see, any decent shepherd that cares at all for his sheep risks his life to protect the sheep. When the wolf comes, the shepherd risks his life. Any decent shepherd will do that. Jesus says, I don't just risk my life. I lay it down willingly. Which actually, in shepherd terms, actually wouldn't have been great. Because think about it for a second. If you're a shepherd and you die protecting your sheep, you failed at your job. Your sheep are now about to all die. They're now all exposed and vulnerable because you can no longer protect them. But Jesus seems to be saying that he willingly lays his life down and by doing so actually saves the sheep, doesn't make them vulnerable. This is what makes Jesus so different. And this is clearly pointing us to the cross of Christ, which is coming very quickly in the, in the narrative of John. That Jesus doesn't just stand in front of his sheep willing to die if some kind of danger were to come their way. No, he sees the danger is imminent. Sin is rampant. Death is coming for sinners. The wrath of God is coming for sinners. The enemy is here to steal and kill and destroy and lead them away. And Jesus sees the danger and doesn't just say, hey, if it's, if it's really dangerous, I'll die. I'm willing to do that. No, he says, I will die willingly, intentionally in order to save my sheep. And that through his death, he makes us safe, not more vulnerable. He truly brings us in because he defeats the enemy. That's what Jesus does for us on the cross. It's our shepherd going before us and laying down his life that we might be saved. And he says, I do it willingly and I have the authority to lay down my life and to take it back up again. Death doesn't just happen to me. I decide to die. And then I decide when to take my life back up again. Jesus is claiming things that no one else would claim. He's claiming to be the good shepherd of Ezekiel chapter 34. He's claiming to be God himself. He's claiming to have authority over life and death and resurrection and in all of this, he is proclaiming to us that he is the one who cares for his sheep. He's the one that knows them, protects them, walks with them, talks to them, dies for them, resurrects for them, reigns for them, saves them, sustains them. Jesus is the one his people need. He provides all of it. He says, I'm the good shepherd. My people are the sheep. But this metaphor, this comparison has become uncomfortable. We get kind of offended being called a sheep. In fact, you've even seen this a lot in the political landscape of our world the last couple years. This word sheep has been thrown around a lot as a, as a, as a diss. You see this thrown around a lot. People calling one another sheep. Of this, You just blindly follow whatever so-and-so tells you and you can't think for yourself and you just listen to whatever gets passed down for you. You're a sheep. And you see phrases like uh, lions, not sheep. I don't know if you've seen things like this. this th there's this idea here of like, don't be a sheep. 
And look, I, I, I mean, no one wants to be blindly led off of a cliff. I understand that. There's no one that should be more comfortable being a sheep than the people of God. First of all, the fact that we're called sheep and Jesus is called the shepherd, the, the focus of attention there is not the fact that we are sheep. The focus is that we are not the shepherd. It's only Jesus. That's the, that's the purpose of that, of that metaphor. It's more so that you would recognize, I am not the shepherd. And I don't know why anybody wants to be a lion. Anyways, that's not, I mean, sure, they're powerful and strong. You know, lions sleep like 20 hours a day. Talk about like lazy. No, but to be a sheep in God's pasture is good. Like, to be a sheep, a lamb in God's pasture is good. That's better than being anything anywhere else. It's better than being a lion in like, I don't know, on Pride Rock. I don't know, like Lion King. I don't know. Like, like being the, like the most unimpressive, blind, gullible animal of all time in God's pasture, there's no better place than that to be. To be under the care of the good shepherd, there's no better place to be than that. And wrapped up in this metaphor of us being sheep and God being our shepherd are some really glorious truths about our relationship with him. To where if we're not willing to embrace this idea of us being sheep and we want to run from that because we want to think that we're better leaders or we have more authority and more control or we're smarter or we're wiser or more, more able to provide for ourselves and all those sort of things, we're going to miss out on what God is communicating to us about our relationship with Jesus in the midst of this comparison. You and I are meant to recognize that we are weak, nothing, foolish, apart from the care of Jesus. This is meant to communicate to us that we have a relationship with Jesus of utter and total dependence. We don't have independence. Nothing that we have, we earn for ourselves. Everything we have comes from him. It's meant to communicate to us as God's people. You are so utterly dependent on Jesus more than you'll ever realize. We don't even like to think about it, but literally our breath is dependent on the mercy of Christ. He could take it in a moment. He provides and we depend on him. That's what sheep do with their shepherd. He provides and we depend on him. He's strong and without any need and we are tremendously weak and needy. Are you comfortable embracing that weakness? Do you feel like you always have to be strong before Jesus? Can't be honest about how you really feel, what you really think, what you're really afraid of, what you really doubt. There's no better place to be than being honest with your good shepherd about your weaknesses. In fact, there is no place of strength greater than that place. Sheep are no more secure than when they are with their shepherd. Realizing, I'm sheep. I'm not a gazelle. I'm a sheep. 
and I'm weak and I need my, I need my shepherd. It's a relationship of love where he cares for us and we don't have to be afraid because if he's already died for us, I mean, what, what won't he do for us? If he's laid down his life for us willingly, what won't he do for us? He loves his sheep. It's a relationship of love and affection. It's a relationship of trust where he has proven that he will protect, protect and provide for his sheep. He's proven it. He's not some new shepherd on the block. He's been doing it for thousands of years for his people. He's the good shepherd who provides. I mean, I mean, there's no one else that we can trust like Jesus. It's also a relationship of authority and submission where we recognize as sheep, we don't have any authority because we're sheep. He keeps the door. He says who comes in. He says who is his, who can be trusted. It would be absurd if a sheep, a lamb, I keep getting those confused, whatever, you're with me, decided like, hey, this shepherd needs to get out. It's time for us to lead ourselves. Like that, I, that's just, I mean, it's absurd. I drove the trailer uh, here to church this morning. It would be like my children in the back seat saying, Dad, your time is done driving the trailer. It's our turn. Even though they're four and seven. Right? They, 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 that's, not this, that's not how this relationship works. You don't just get to decide when you get to be in charge and when I'm in charge. No, it's a relationship of authority. It's submission. The sheep submit to the authority of the shepherd. That's how our relationship with Jesus works. He is the head. He is the shepherd. He is the authority. We submit to him. He's way more qualified. He's good. In fact, it's the mark of a follower of Jesus that we not only submit to him, but joyfully submit to him. Willingly. Because we say there's no one better than him. It's a relationship of patience where God has immense compassion on our foolishness and our stubbornness. It's a relationship of familiarity. How much time sheep and shepherd spend together? Like all their time. Like there's an immense familiarity between the two. The shepherd knows his sheep intimately, calls them by name. They know him. They trust him. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And he says, they don't follow a stranger's voice. So to get rid of the metaphor for a second, Jesus says, my people know what my voice sounds like. And when they hear it, they follow it. When they hear the voice of a stranger, they don't recognize it, and so they don't follow it. Do you know the voice of Jesus? Do you know what it sounds like? Do you know the content of what he says? Just think about the people in your life that you know best. When you speak, they know it's your voice. They don't just know it's your voice. The people that know you best even are able to discern like the intention behind your voice, right? Like I, I, could, I could call out to my children and I could call out their name in like eight different ways and mean totally different things with each inflection I put on, right? 
and my kids know my voice and therefore they not only know that it's me, they actually even know the intention of what I'm trying to say to them through how I say their name because we have so much familiarity together. Jesus is saying, this is what it, it's like my relationship with my people. They know my voice. They know the content of what I tend to say to them. They know what it sounds like. They know my heart. And so they even start to discern my intention. Do you know Jesus' voice like that? Do you, do you have a familiarity with his voice? What, what might he be saying to you right now in this season of your life? Even this morning? Do you think much about the voice of Jesus? How about this? He knows your weaknesses. He knows your needs. He loves you. He cares for you. He speaks to you. What do you want to hear your shepherd say to you this morning? If Jesus would come sit down right next to you in the seat next to you and speak a verbal word to you, what would you want to hear him say? Or are you more familiar with other voices that Jesus is the one that sounds like the stranger? This sheep shepherd is about familiarity. It's about following. That wherever he goes, we go. What he says, we do. In all of this, Jesus is communicating to us as his people. He loves us. Such a simple truth. But a shepherd loves his sheep. And this good shepherd loves his sheep more than any other because he willingly lays down his life for his sheep. And he cares for them. And he says, I have one flock. Which means there, there, there's something here about relationship and unity and community as God's people where we follow him together. Because if you watch sheep, what one sheep does affects what the other sheep do. One sheep strays, some other sheep start to follow him. We, we don't, our, our decisions are, are, are following Jesus is not just in isolation. It affects each other. In fact, Jesus tells us he leaves the 99 to go get the one sheep that's astray. And you know what he communicates to the 99 in leaving them? This is how much I love you. If it's just one of you that leaves, I'll go get you. And he proves to the 99 how much he cares for them, that you're that valuable. This is a, a relationship with a love and a mercy and a care and a grace that is just a treasure trove for us to jump into and enjoy that Jesus loves us far more than we can imagine. And it's Jesus giving his interpretation of Psalm 23 that we are, are, are so familiar with. He's saying, that was about me. That Psalm that David wrote about the Lord being his shepherd, yeah, it's me. Look at Psalm 23. Jesus is my shepherd. 
Therefore, I have everything I need. I shall not want. Jesus makes me lie down in green pastures. Jesus leads me beside still waters. Jesus restores my soul. Jesus leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even then I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because Jesus is with me. His rod and his staff will comfort me. Jesus prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. His goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever with Jesus. Is Jesus your shepherd? Are you looking to him? Do you know his voice? As we close this morning, I want to watch just a brief little two-minute video it's this video that's an experiment uh, among sheep to see will a sheep respond to a stranger's voice versus the shepherd's voice. And um, I just want you, as you watch this, whether, I don't know how well you'll be able to, to see it from where you sit, but I want you to just think about this is you and me as God's people. And this is, this is what it is to look like for us when Jesus speaks to us. Let's go and watch this. One more time. That's how much Jesus loves us. He wants to be our shepherd. And there are a million other voices that are yelling at you all the time, saying, come here, come here, come here. Some are loud, some are soft. Jesus wants you to hear his voice and come to him and know that he's good. He's the one that will feed you, provide for you, care for you, 
give you pasture, give you security, bind up your wounds, and that there's nobody like him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that through the gospel, you are our good shepherd. That we can trust you. Lord Jesus, we want to be like those sheep that seem unfazed by strangers' voices. Don't even lift up their heads to look. But the moment we hear your voice, our ears perk up. We, we turn to you. We look. We see what you say. And if you say, come, we come. If you say, go this way, we go this way. Jesus, I thank you for the simple dependence that we see in such a simple animal to come to you and be cared for, to be provided for. Jesus, this morning as we respond to you in worship, I pray that you would meet us as our shepherd, that you would give us a deep affirmation of your love for us. And Lord, I pray this morning that um, for those that maybe have been closing their ears to your voice or seeking out the voice of, of others, Lord, I pray that you would speak and call us back this morning. Lord, we desire to be dependent on you, but we are so prone to wander and be led astray. We need you, Jesus. We joyfully submit to you. Lord, would you make us a church that even responds like we just saw in that video? A church that collectively runs toward Jesus together in unity. Even some straying in the back, some out in front, eager to get there, Lord, but together, all under the care of the shepherd. We love you, Jesus. We don't deserve your goodness, but we're so grateful to be under your care. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.